to maximize your influence, your resource for the top persuasion, influence, and negotiation techniques that will help you maximize your success in life and business. And now, here are your hosts, Kurt Mortensen and Steve Olson. Welcome to Maximize Your Influence. This is podcast number 186 as we approach 200. This is Kurt Mortensen. We're not sure where Steve Olson is. He's on sabbatical, but we want to get you some great information in the world of persuasion, influence, negotiation, sales. We all persuade. We all sell for a living. And it's a critical life skill that we should have learned in school, but we're going to learn it now because it'll make a huge difference in your life, your success, and of course, your income. So it's been a pretty slow week for me, which is good. It lets me catch up. Spoke at a university and uh, getting ready to go to the Middle East to speak for eight days in a row. That's always taxing. So good to have a little time off and to catch up and get things ready to roll. Last podcast, we talked about people skills, rapport, and I just briefly mentioned charisma. And I got a lot of email about more and charisma, more and charisma, more and charisma. Because, again, it is that skill. When you're charismatic, people want to be around you, want to be influenced by you. So I want to spend a little time on the next couple episodes on charisma, because yes, you can learn charisma. As I did research for the book Laws of Charisma, that was the big eye-opener, that you have some core skills of charisma, but you can magnify and enhance some of the other skills and even learn some of the skills that you don't have. So don't ever say, well, they were born persuasive, they were born charismatic, because look at any newborn baby and I guess maybe they kind of look charismatic, but it's it's a little bit different. It's something that you can learn. So let's start off with the geeky article. Let's go. That's Steve's anti-Urkel sound for the geeky article. And this is a big one, which is going to lead right into the blunder before we get into the content. This comes from the Journal of Cognitive Research. And the concept is you should probably let someone else pick a profile picture for you. You know the pictures you put online on Facebook or company profiles or even on a business card or even on a billboard? You got to be careful because science is showing that you're not picking the best one. You're judging yourself. That's a completely different standard when you're judging somebody else. So this is Dr. White out of Australia. He says that previous work has shown that people make inferences about an individual's character and personality within a split second of seeing a photograph of their face. We we've known that. So he found that if you want to put your best foot forward, it makes sense to ask someone else to choose your picture. Because we think we know what picture's best, which one we should use, and sometimes we ask. So people were asked to choose pictures they were most likely to use on maybe a social network, dating, professional type network, and they're also choosing the ones that they're least likely to use. And they had other strangers do that too. And there was not a similarity. There was definitely a mismatch there. And Dr. White said people were pretty good at picking pictures that fit specific networking contexts, and making positive impressions on strangers, maybe like a dating type app, or to make sure they appear more attractive. They found that the strangers were, for the most part, better, especially in the area of first impressions. And of course, we know that the cement dries fast, that first impressions are really, really important. And so it's important that you let other people choose. And what I would do is I would choose perfect strangers to do this. I know it's the opposite of what I learned from my early mentor, Jim Rohn. He was a personal development speaker. He set out the worst picture, so when he showed up, he looked better. <laughs> but he already had the speaking engagement. He already had the credibility. So that's kind of a little bit different. But there are things you can do to help you out. 
there's a website called photofeeler.com. I'll put it on the website, photofeeler. And this place is incredible. You can upload your pictures and have perfect strangers rate you on various things like competent, kind of important in a job interview, or getting someone's business, likable, influential, smart, trustworthy, attractive. These are important things. I think I mentioned last podcast, that's what we do in seminars, have people judge their first impressions out of each other's when they're speaking because it's real, it's important, that's what people do. And that is a website that you can use to get strangers to say yes, yes, no, please no, heck no, <laughs> whatever the no is you want. You want to know because a lot of times you don't know. Remember the whole self-perception bias. What you think you're doing right or wrong is very different than what you're doing right or wrong in the world of persuasion. And that's true even in your photos. So talking about that, let's talk about the persuasion blunder of the day. Mr. Homer. Don't, don't, don't. Of a couple things that I've seen lately, and I'm guilty of this too, that sometimes we just get a quick picture. We don't think much about it. I saw a huge billboard of this real estate agent and he just looked young and incompetent whether that's true i don't know i'd never hire him i never used them inexperienced didn't look like they were that smart even again hate to judge but that's our first impression be very careful i had a financial planner had me a business card with his picture on it and it looked like he had found a picture off facebook from a party with three or four people and he cropped out the picture of himself because he thought he looked good but it was kind of fuzzy it was just not professional, and sometimes we do it. Because I'm guilty of that. Oh, we need your picture. You're coming in a week. We need to promote you. Oh, uh, here's a picture. And I don't spend enough time setting the right picture or, or even taking the right type of pictures. And so that's something that I think we can all work on and realize that this is very important. Or the college students I work with who are posting these pictures on Facebook, and you know that that's where people are going to find out about them. That's where future employers are going. we got to be careful of the pictures, the type of pictures, that first impression that we're generating because it is real. It is real. That brings us into charisma number one I want to talk about today is your presence. What do you radiate? We've talked about first impressions, and that happens when you walk into a room. Your presence, what do you radiate? What do you look like? And I want to give you a few pointers, a few tips here to help you out because it's real. And I know a lot of you say, well, that's not fair. I, okay, sure, but it's real. You walk into a room, you meet someone for the first time, they see your picture, they hear your voice. Judgment, judgment, judgment. And you've got to be careful. If you want to be charismatic and you walk on the stage or you walk into a room or you walk into a meeting the wrong way, you got to spend a couple hours reversing that. Why not do it right the first time and have an upward trend of persuasion instead of a downward trend of persuasion? So as you walk in that room, as you look in your presence, what is your energy? What are you radiating? Hopefully you've heard Tony Robbins before. He does a fire walk. He's a motivational speaker. He says, the higher your energy level, the more efficient your body. The more efficient your body, the better you feel, and the more you will use talent to produce outstanding results. He's all about the energy. He goes 12, 15 hours, boom, and he's changing lives. So if there's no energy, no charisma. If you don't increase the energy in an audience or in one person, no charisma. You're just probably sucking the life out of them. Research does show that you do have more energy when you're actually involved in a situation. The more relationships you have, you have more energy. The more social ties you have, it even fights disease. So part of that's going to be your balance, right? I know you've felt out of whack sometimes in your life. Your life's not balanced. Use the physical side, the intellectual, the social, the spiritual. 
And if you want more information on that, that was Podcast 35. We took a deep dive into life alignment. And, of course, you can find that on InfluenceUniversity.com. That's also the home of our 52-week Ph.D. program. Take a look at that. And that's also the archives for all our podcasts. So the main thing to understand here is what's sucking the energy out of you. What is happening during the day that causes your energy to fall? could be that balance we talked about, the physical, intellectual, spiritual, social, financial, emotional. Is it that part of it? Is it negative people sucking the life out of you? Is it the drop in your willpower battery we've spent some time talking on? Is it low blood sugar? Is it lack of sleep? Is it the basic thing is the lack of exercise? That's huge. Exercise gives you more energy and more time. You're like, whoa, wait a minute, Kurt, more time? Yeah. All the successful people I interviewed for Laws of Charisma, they're, they're exercising. It gives you more time and energy. Energy's obvious, but time, well, let's see. You think better, you persuade better, your brain works better, you sleep less. I can go on and on. That's up to you, but that's something that's really important. You need to have energy to be charismatic. Another interesting one about your presence is your optimism. Optimists are better persuaders, they're more charismatic, they have a better presence. Are you the type of person, again, that's sucking the life out of people? Or are you the type of person that's giving energy? We've talked about optimism before, but a lot of people think they're doing okay. But are you? It seems that as life beats us up and we have more failures and things happen, we become more negative, more pessimistic, more cynical. And that's not what people want to be around. They want to be around optimistic people that increase their energy, that make them feel good. And we already know the research. Optimistic people, they live longer, they have better social networks, they stayed married longer, they have higher levels of motivation, persistence, and performance, versus pessimistic people give up twice as fast as optimistic people. We know it's an issue. And if it's an issue for you, Dr. Martin Seligman wrote a book called Learned Optimism. You could take an assessment and you could learn it. Like anything else you could learn, you can do better. It is something that can make a huge difference. And especially when you're trying to persuade somebody. You're trying to improve your optimism. Make a choice to be more optimistic, to see more positive things. And it doesn't mean that everything's rosy in the future and everything's automatically going to work out. You can look around corners and prepare for things, but for the most part, you know things are going to work out. Also, we found that when you blame other people and you don't take responsibility for your mistakes, that hurts your presence, that hurts your optimism and the attitude and how people perceive you. Thinking about your past victories, your past successes can increase your optimism. Just associating with positive and optimistic people can help you out. The way you talk to yourself. Remember your thoughts control your emotions, your emotions control your actions. The way you talk to yourself is something that's really important, can really help or hurt your ability to be optimistic or throw you into the pit of pessimism. And also, be aware. When you feel yourself getting negative and pessimistic, find a way to get back into the game, to be more optimistic about your future, because that is real. Your optimism and even your attitude is part of your optimism. Attitude's an interesting one. Attitude comes from your expectations. What you expect to happen throughout the day, what you expect to happen in that meeting can affect your attitude, which can affect your optimism. These are real. People sense these are part of your presence. People want to be around these people that are optimistic, that have good attitudes, that have hope in the future that things are going to work out. Why would you want to do business with someone that's pessimistic and negative and think it'll never work out? Right? That's not what you're looking for. That's not what people want. And that's something that's really important when we're talking about your presence and being more charismatic. And when I talk about attitude, I'm not necessarily talking about PMA. We've heard that before, positive mental attitude, which is a good thing. 
Most people are like chameleons absorbing the attitudes of people around them. And that's not what you want, waiting for someone to offend you or to give you the bird or to cut you off to dictate your attitude throughout the day. You need to decide what your attitude is going to be. But it's not the type of thing where people are sitting on the couch thinking, I'm the best and people like me and I'm wealthy, I'm persuasive. You know, that's a form of delusion. <laughs> if you're sitting on the couch having a great attitude, hey, I'm all for that. But you need to have some type of an action plan that's going to get you to the next level. So attitude with action plan, that's where we start seeing the results. And one final note I've noticed with people, and even in my own life, that when you're feeling down or you're feeling pessimistic, you're feeling low, you're feeling depressed, a simple solution, and I'm not talking about a mental illness, but every once in a while people suffer from this. If you take time to give back, to help out, to go serve someone, it does amazing things for your psyche, for your optimism, for your attitude. So if you're feeling down and depressed, just go and find opportunities to serve, to give back, to help out. First of all, that's what it's all about anyway. And second of all, it'll do more for you than it does for them. And it helps your presence and your charisma. And final one I want to talk about today is your passion. Now that's a transfer of pure charisma. That is something that makes a huge difference. In fact, I've noticed this as I've monitored all these different persuasive presentations and those who are charismatic, that I would prefer passion over product knowledge. I mean, you want product knowledge. You want to know about it. When people are passionate about things, that energy, that transfer is amazing. Of course, you want to have both. But if I had to choose one, I'd choose passion. And it makes a big difference because more than anything else, passion recruits the hearts and minds of your audience. I do an advanced persuasion course on a college level, and I've seen students do some really interesting things on passion because that's one of the assignments, a speech on passion. Get us to move a few notches as far as being passionate about what you're passionate about or even to think about it or even just to maybe consider it. Someone did one on Michael Jackson, the singer. Okay, but hey, they had a few points to where we might consider listening to Michael Jackson more. One was on frozen yogurt, where to go and the toppings, and here are some coupons. I'm like, wow, after that we want frozen yogurt. One was on scrapbooking, which I never really got, but they were so passionate about it. I'm like, wow, this is interesting. I still never scrapbook, but I can see why people do it. I kind of moved a few notches. So passion is important. Now, I'm not talking about hype. Hype is too much caffeine. Hype is false energy. I'm talking about true passion, where they know, they can sense that you really believe in what you're doing. They know if they say, no, you're wrong, that you're going to say, wait a minute, let's talk about this. Let me show you how this is perfect for you. And passion doesn't mean a new puppy dog bouncing around. There are different types of passion. There's quiet passion. There's energetic passion. There's a sincere passion. I've never really quantified the different types of passion, but passion's passion. When we feel it, there's that transfer. In fact, the famous leadership guru John Maxwell says, a great leader's courage to fulfill his vision comes from passion, not position. Hmm, isn't that interesting? From your passion, not your position. I know from my personal research, when I was doing the research for the book Persuasion IQ, is that I'd look at two different persuaders, right? I was trying to see what they were doing differently. Well, one of the things I found, they had the same intelligence, the same degree, the same core competence, the same persuasion skills for the most part and the same leads. The one that had more passion, that really believed what they're doing was a product of the product, they would continually outsell and outpersuade that person. We know enthusiasm and passion is contagious. 
And the great thing is when you have that passion, you have a sense of mission. It drives you. It stimulates your imagination and motivates you to higher levels of achievement. All right, this is important. Let's do it. How do you get it? Because, because I've seen a lot of people start with passion, and just over time, they kind of lose it. But let's understand the first thing here. When you're persuading someone or giving a presentation, are you singing the song or are you singing the words? I mean, really. You're just going through the motions. They can sense it. They can see it. So you're just singing the words, just going through the motion, and you're really singing the song. And that happens a lot of times when we just start going through the motions. We don't care. We prejudge. It's our hundredth time to give the, the pitch or the presentation. We've got to be careful to realize this is the first time they've heard us on the phone or face-to-face or via Skype. We've got to be passionate about it. And things you can do to enhance your passion is, I mentioned earlier, being a product of the product. Looking at people that are using the product that are very successful, and that's important at customer service because they always hear the negative side, not always the positive side. Always maintain your credibility because that could hurt your passion. Being sincere, being authentic, always connecting with other people, always having that right confidence. It is something when you really believe in it and you know it can change their lives and it can really help them out. It'll make a big difference in your success and what you're able to accomplish. Now, some of you aren't quite sure about what your passion is. You're excited about things. You like things, but are you passionate about it? Realize that if you're not quite there, that tapping into your passion is like sculpting. Get a little closer every time you try something, you do something. Sometimes we get closer to our passion by finding things we don't want to do. We can start experimenting with different tasks and topics, getting to know people, what we like, what we don't like. I mean, you don't know if you like a certain food unless you're willing to take a bite. Read more, join more clubs, spend more time on personal development in the areas that might be worthy of your passion. You cannot be passionate about something if you don't know anything about it. In fact, educating yourself about a topic is a great way to increase your passion. So remember, passion's very contagious. When you transfer your passion, the people around you start to absorb your energy. It increases your presence. You perform better. It doesn't seem like work. You become more proactive. You're more willing to work as a team. You become more optimistic. You get a better attitude. I'm not seeing a downside here. This is an important thing to think about your presence. Can people see your passion or are you just going through the motion? Again, not hype, extra caffeine, bouncing around with all this excitement and enthusiasm, but true pure passion. So this is charisma number one. We'll continue with this next week as we talk about different aspects of persuasion. This is your presence. What do you radiate? Appreciate you on the show today for Maximize Your Influence. Remember on Facebook and Pinterest at Maximize Your Influence. Twitter, it's called Influence Max. Appreciate you being here, learning these skills, becoming more persuasive, and as you know, go out and persuade with power and make the world a better place. 